good morning. Let's stand this morning. Let's sing an old hymn of the church that's uh, found in your hymn book, but it'll also be on the screen. An old hymn of the church that simply says, I'll fly away. So let's worship the Lord this morning. Father, 
we thank you to be in your house today, and we are just honored to be in your presence with your people. Father, we pray that you would bless this offering that is about to be taken. Bless the gift and the giver, those that have to give and those that may not have to give. And if there is someone here today who cannot give, Lord, we pray at some point in time you'd bless them to be able to give back to show their love and devotion and appreciation to you. And this we pray in your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the people of God together said, Amen. 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 Will you bring your tithes and offerings this morning unto the Lord? We're going to ask you at this time, if you will, make your way back as we get ready to segue into the remaining portion of uh, the service. Those that are having to do scripture and prayer today, if they will go ahead and make their way, that are leading in scripture and prayer. I do want to make a couple of housekeeping, you may be seated just for a moment, a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, for those of you uh, that are here, if this is your first time, uh, we are so honored to have you in service with us today. In the seat in front of you, there should be a little connection card uh, there. If there's not one in your seat for some reason, uh, look uh, to the seats around you or look for one of our hospitality team members, uh, Miss Ann Krause or Miss Sandy Burks or any of those folks can help you to get a record. We're not going to send you a bunch of spam mail. You're not going to get a bunch of emails. You're not going to get, you know, tickets to the next concert or Hardy's coupons. We just want to know who you are so that if I see you in town, I can at least try my best to remember you by name. And if nothing else, at least send you a letter of welcome and just telling you some things that go on around our property here. 
Also, uh, I want to make mention uh, to you a couple of requests today uh, that I want you to be aware of before our Brother Marion comes to do scripture and prayer. I want you to continue to remember the uh, obviously the family of Sister Bonnie Gunn, uh, who we uh, laid to rest yesterday, uh, and her family still needs prayer and the days and weeks of comfort that lie ahead. But uh, yes, last night I received a couple text messages. Uh, one was from uh, someone who uh, can, for the, goes to this church, but they have a friend whose nephew is in ICU in Arizona. Uh, baby dolls, a uh, little boy named by the name of Dawson. Uh, this morning he was supposed to be intubated around 7 a.m. Uh, this morning he is a very sick uh, uh, young man. And, uh, but we believe in miracles. We've seen God do miracles in our property. And I don't believe God can, I don't believe God can, uh, just has to be in South Carolina. I believe he can be with us this morning, but he also can be in Arizona at the same time because God's, that's just how God works. And so we want to uh, pray for that today when we do our scripture and prayer. And also, uh, Sister Jeannie Godin, who helps lead our <clears throat> children's ministries along with Miss Sandy Burks and others, they, uh, she is obviously not here today, as some of you may notice. Uh, I received a call uh, late last night that uh, her brother Joey uh, his uh, girlfriend by the name of Christy, her, her mom was not doing very well and they were going to be turning her over to hospice care and other things but please be praying and uh, this morning uh, I received a message that she passed and, uh, and it just was a very quick transition uh, but she passed so obviously Joey and his girlfriend uh, Christina, uh, uh, Christy I'm sorry, are very upset so Miss Jeannie and Brother Ray went to them this morning to try to be with them because it was kind of a quick thing uh, that took place and so they are certainly needing our prayers together uh, as well but I will say to you that I'm glad to be in church because I could be having to go deal with a loss of a loved one like some are doing today or I could be like a young man by the name of Dawson his parents I could be at a hospital in Phoenix waiting to see what's going to happen to my little boy in a hospital bed or, or, or in a surgical procedure but I'm here today, so I have a lot to be thankful for. And each one of us sitting in this auditorium today have a lot to be thankful for too. Because if it were not for the Lord on our side, where would we be today? And so we have a lot to be thankful for. So we want you to remember those in a few moments in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Marion to come and lead us in scripture and prayer. And when he goes to pray, if you'll remember those special requests. God bless you today. the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 4, I chose 5 through 9. Paul said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled. This goes along with our study this morning. When we are troubled on every side, we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Paul reminds us that though we may think we are at the end of life's ropes, we are never at the end of our hope, which is in Jesus Christ. Um, at this time, I like to go to the Lord in prayer. I like to be remembered as well. Um, a lot to pray about, church. But I'm thankful to be a part of a church that believes.
and the power of prayer. Let us pray all together in Jesus' name. Father, again, we're thankful to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, most of all for your presence. Lord, we ask that you would touch and bless every part of this service, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it would edify and lift you up, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would touch every need, Lord. Father, again, we're thankful to be a part of this service. Help us, Lord, to pray one for another. And Lord, believe, Lord, that you can do a mighty work. We're going to ask you to stand this morning. Let's join back in worship this morning. This might be a new song to some of you today, uh, but it's, I believe it is very uh, important for the hour. This song clearly talks about that we have a testimony. When Jesus Christ saved us, he saved us so that we have a testimony to share the world uh, of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. So let's sing together this morning.
many of you know that God is good to us, church? You know, I just came back in on Friday uh, to get back home for Bonnie's home going service and was traveling. And as I was writing some things down in my iPad while uh, Brianna was sleeping on the plane because we left at 4 o'clock in the morning, she went to bed. She said, the sun's not up. I'm going back to sleep. So she slept on the plane. I saw the sun rise about 35,000 feet in the air all by myself. Uh, with, and, well, with whoever else was on the plane. But I picked these songs a couple weeks earlier before I left. And I started thinking about the worship this week. And this next song I'm going to sing, we sang it a couple uh, weeks back, probably a month or two back. And it still literally says, I'm living in the overflow. But the chorus of this song says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, I am living in the overflow. And I thought about that thing. We have a lot to give God praise for. He has been so, so good to us. And so today, even if you don't know the song, if you can just remember that line, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I am living in the overflow because if it wasn't for God, we would have all be of all men and women most miserable. So let's worship the Lord today.
the name of the Lord. Lord, we know you are a miracle worker. We know you're the promise keeper. We know you are light and darkness. But Lord, that's, that's who you described yourself as. But Lord, we also know that you make a way when there seems to be no way. Even when we don't see you working, we know you're working. Even when we don't feel you moving, we know you are moving. You never stop working on our behalf. Will you sing this together this morning? You are here.
never stop. We never stop working. We never stop. We never stop working. Oh, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. We never stop. We never stop working. We never stop. fifth Sunday and obviously we don't have children's church today I was thinking about what church will look like for our children and our grandchildren in the next 5, 10, 15 years from now I listened to us dialogue on a, on a general council floor about whether or not God should be his name should be used in feminine pronouns and call him mother God our sister rather than our brother using him in femininity purposes I watched us sit on general council floors and debate argue discuss I watched as motions regarding what do you do if a member becomes a pedophile in your church how do you address it what do you do I thought to myself, you know, when I was a kid, I remember going with my parents to General Assembly. I don't even ever remember us even talking about that stuff. We had to make resolutions in our bylaws to be able to have, if you will, structure in place to handle this gender identity crisis going on in the world because things like our military chaplains and other things, and even pastors, if they don't perform marriages for LGBTQ, we could be in trouble for it because it wasn't in our bylaws, so we don't have a covering. So we had to vote on those measures to give us protection 
under the United States government for religious freedom. I thought I'd never see the day I'd have to discuss that stuff. God and feminine pronouns. And what do you do about your bathrooms in your church if someone says they identify that Sunday as someone different? Now my dad and some of my other ministerial acquaintances they're on the back end slope of this thing. They only got five or so years, depending on their age or less. I heard on the general counsel floor that, I don't know how true this is, I just heard somebody say it, that after the assembly, that 13 pastors that were eligible for retirement in South Carolina were going back home to retire because they were done. They weren't going to be dealing with this like this anymore. 13 of them. They were eligible to retire, so they were just going to give it to somebody else. But I have a little boy that's coming up in this world like that. Lord willing, hopefully more children down the road. But I'm, I'm not scared because I know God's in control. But I also know they're going to have a tough road to hold. I don't know if Mike will ever be a pastor like me or not. You know, he asked me one day, Daddy, what's your advice? Run. Sell insurance, become a doctor, build a house on Daniel Island, and let me live in the cottage out back, son, that you pay the taxes on. But whoever it is that takes my position one day, even in my lifetime, I think things will change, but whoever stands up here one day, or wherever it may be, and takes my mantle and goes with it, they're in for a rough road. But as I sat there on that plane jotting notes for a home one service and other things, I started thinking that God, you're still a way maker. I knew that I had picked this song this week, but sitting on that plane as I was writing it, I still thought, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. Amen. He works in ways I cannot see, but he will make a way for me. He still does miracles. His word says he's going to have a people, so that's a promise. So I don't know how he's going to keep us together, but he's going to keep some of us together because we are that's what he said he's going to do. Amen. The Bible says he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I know that no matter how dark this world gets, the only way you can really appreciate the value of light is when you're in a dark place or in a dark room. See, if all the lights are on and I turned on a flashlight right now, it would not be near as effective as if it was pitch black dark in here and I shine that light in here now. You, you could have a 2,000 lumen light flashlight that's bright as the sunshine, but if you have enough lights outside around it, you'll never notice how bright the flashlight is. But when it gets pitch black dark and that floodlight comes on, you see everything under the shadow of that floodlight. So while the world, Brother Jeff's getting darker, I started thinking on that plane, that just means my God's getting brighter. Amen. The darker it gets, the brighter he'll shine. So while I could be afraid and fearful and worrisome, yes, I could be. Or I could just say, but God, you're a way maker. You're a miracle worker. You're a promise keeper. And while the world keeps getting darker, God, you're going to still be bright. You're still going to be bright. And so before we bring the bread of life today, I want us to declare this today. And I want to tell you how I know the power of God still works. I'm going to give you an example. I want you to understand that this is no prompting. Nobody knew I was going to do this. They have no clue about this. But if you don't think people watch, follow, see everything you do, I 
want you to watch this. Mackenzie, come here for me. Come here, Mackenzie. Come here, Michael. Stand right here. Mackenzie, come right here by Micah. Just stand on the other side. You guys hold, hold this microphone. Now watch this. You know this song, don't you? Can you help Daddy sing this song this morning? Okay, help me here together. You know the song too, don't you, Mackenzie? Wait, you remember it? We've sang it together. Let's sing it together. Ready, Micah? Can you help it? You sing aloud with me, okay? You are the way maker, miracle worker. Here we go. Let's sing together. We're the way maker. Way. God's got a remnant, whether we believe it or not. We may not always see it. When even when I don't see it, God, you're working. And even when I she caught on the even when I don't feel it, God, you are working. So there is no reason that anybody under the age, Micah is six, there's no reason if you are above the age of six that you cannot declare that God is a way maker, that he's a miracle worker, that he's a promise keeper, that he's light in the darkness because if God won't use you, the Bible said if you don't cry, the rocks will cry out in his place. But God will raise up another generation to decree and declare the works of the Lord. I'm not going down without a fight. I don't care how bad this world gets and I don't care how bad the church gets. God's still got a plan and God's still got a people. Even when I don't see it, God, you're still working it all out for our good. Let's sing it. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, you are the way maker today, Lord. Way maker, miracle You're the promise. My God, that is who you are. Oh, decree this together. Even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, Lord, you're working. You never stop. Oh, come on, church. Can you worship the Lord for a minute? Just know today that even, even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop. Never stop. Oh, you never stop. You never stop. Father, we know beyond a shadow of doubt we don't always have to feel you, but we know you're there. Some days we don't feel you, but we know you're working. And God, I decree and declare today before this people of God that I still believe that you're a miracle worker. I still believe you'll make a way when there seems to be no way. And God, I am decreeing and declaring before this body of believers today that God, I believe no matter how bad this world gets, there's still a God that's going to shine brighter than the sun. There's going to be a God that's going to still be shining brighter in the darkness. And no matter what they tell us, there is not, no, there's not, we are not of most men without hope. We have a hope that is steadfast and sure. We have an anchor that will endure. Oh, Christ the solid rock. We shall stand. And all the rest of this world will become sinking sand around us. You are a miracle worker and a promise keeper. That is who you are. One more time, let's just sing Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle.
Genesis chapter number 5, the book of Genesis chapter number 5, can we just let this worship team and musicians with a hand of appreciation thank them this morning for their service today, don't you like my new praise team member, Brother Larry, didn't he do a good job today, he did a wonderful job, we're so glad to have him a part, Genesis chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 21 down to about verse 24 and then we're going to flip to the book of Acts. I'm going to read fast and preach fast today to get you out of here. The Bible says, Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and he begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked, Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years. And he also begot other sons and daughters. All of the days of Enoch were 365 years. One full day, if you will, one full year for every day of the year, 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Don't miss this message. Don't miss what's just being said. Enoch walked with God, and then he was not, for God took him. Outside of a prophet by the name of Elijah, Enoch is the only other guy that ever did not have to taste death. He was walking with God. And he was not. I don't know what Enoch was doing. But if I was Enoch, if I were to tell a modern day version of Enoch, I think that Enoch would have been doing something like this. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share as we have tarried there. None other has ever known. That's what I think he'd have been singing on that day. Sorry I threw that for you, Miss Carol. You, you can go back. I won't do it again. The spirit of singing came upon me. He just was walking with God. And then he was not. Boy, isn't that a good place to be? You and God are just having a time, and then God just comes down and takes you in his presence right on up to glory. See, I said this yesterday in the homegoing service. Death is not final. Death is just a transitionary vehicle that God uses to get us from here to there. He teleports us from here, transports us to there. That's all He's doing. We don't have to, from the child of God, we don't have to be afraid. We're just going up. It's a beautiful thing. In Acts chapter number 1, verse 9, Jesus had challenged His disciples on the side of the mountain after His resurrection and His appearing of to over 400 people. He brings His disciples to the mountains and he gives them this charge about going and baptizing and spreading the gospel and going to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world and teaching them all that I've commanded you. Jesus gives them their clarity and call, if you will, of their missional mandate to go out and do the job. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, they were all standing there beholding him and all of a sudden he was taken up. We just read Enoch was walking with God, then he was not, for God took him. 
Jesus is standing there carrying on a conversation. All of a sudden, his feet starts losing gravitational pull. He starts floating towards the heavenlies. And they beheld him as he went up in the clouds, and he was taken out of their sight. They couldn't see him. And all of a sudden, they looked towards heaven. He went up. He was gone. But heaven came down to them. Because the Bible said, while Jesus went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. The angel of the Lord just came on right back down. That's why we always say it's cliche, but when the praises go up, the blessings come down. God will open up the windows of heaven and he'll pour out upon his people a blessing that we'll have scarcely enough in our mortal body to contain. When we open up the heavenlies with praises, God will open up the heavens and send it on down. We used to sing it in the church talking about the Holy Ghost. We used to sing it, send him on down. Send him on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on a heavenly Father. Here I call, let your Holy Spirit fall. Bring down the fire, let it fall like rain as we lift our praises to your name. Lord, it would do the church good for the Spirit of God to fall down again. He was gone. And they said unto them, men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus was taken into heaven shall in like manner as you seen him go he'll come again you saw him go up the same Jesus you saw go up he'll come back again I started two weeks ago a message entitled I know him but you today I want to finish this thought today I know him but do you heavenly father to the very best of my ability help me to preach your word to the people of God Anoint these lips of clay from, a, from the coals of the altars of heaven and touch these lips to speak your word, not my words. I don't need to be heard. I need you to be heard. And I'm asking you not let us just be hearers of this word, but doers thereof likewise. And we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ Jesus our Lord we pray. And the people of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord if you can. Two weeks ago when I started this message, I gave you... A question of the book of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus is in a region called Caesarea Philippi and he stops what he's doing and he turns around to his disciples and he says, I have a question for you guys. Who do men say that I am? Now, you know, obviously I told you last week and I, I echo those same sentiments today. I don't really care as much about Peter's response. I, you know, there are plenty of messages we could preach on about Peter saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's great. That's great. But Peter's already in heaven. He's already standing at the pearly white gates waiting for everybody to get there. So Peter's answer really does not matter as much to me anymore. It's great to know what he said and it's great information. But Peter's answer is not really going to help me unless I know how to answer that question for myself. Because one day, I'm going to stand before God and God's going to say, who do you say that I am? And I better know how to answer that question. I better be able to say like Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and know Him as Lord and Savior of my life. Because if I don't know how to answer that question, there is an eternal punishment for the wicked that God has prepared for them. Now, I know that's not popular preaching and most people will be like, oh, pastor, I didn't come to church today. To get a sermon on hell. Well, I'm sorry I, you didn't come to church today for me to send you closer to hell by not telling you the truth either. I thought about that sitting on that plane, listening to the general council floor and sitting on that plane. I thought as I listened to people talk and argue and bicker and fight and all that stuff. And I was in the airport and thinking in my head different things. I started thinking to myself, 
I said, I can't wait to get back home, not because, you know, I... I, I, you know, I, I didn't enjoy my stint or time there, but I started thinking, while we're sitting here arguing about some things, not all things, but some things that are frivolous, there are men and women whose souls are hanging in the balances and their children's lives are hanging in the balance, their grandchildren's lives are hanging in the balance. While we're out here making idiots of ourselves, some people are going to hell while we're out here looking like morons. I'm just telling you how I felt. I started thinking, while I'm out here, Somebody's son or daughter's out there in the world doing something they had no business doing. And I know we have to have meetings and we have to have times of conducting business. But I think sometimes we get so bogged down in the focus of that we have business to do that we forgot what we were in the business to do. We weren't in the business to sit in meetings all day. We were in the business to go ye therefore into the highways and byways and compel them to go. Go ye therefore into all nations teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our business is not to hang out. Our business is to go out. Too many churches are interested in having hangouts rather than going out and reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. And I thought about this and then I started thinking as I said to you two weeks ago in this message different things about knowing Jesus. I told you that Jesus came to redeem you. He came to die for your sins. We talked about that. I'm not going to rehash that. Then I'll talk to you. I talked to you that same day. I talked about Jesus represents you. He's like your attorney. He goes before the Father and he says I died for them so you've got to let go of those charges because they've asked me to forgive them and wipe them clean. He's the greatest attorney you'll ever have on your side. But you are you were in my reading, you were in the service today. You've heard the reading of the word of the Lord. You heard me read about a man by the name of Enoch. You heard me read about how he was with God. He walked with God. He talked with God. He spent time with God. He never let a day go by that him and God didn't have their moment together. Now, I'm not perfect in this, but my wife will tell you that most days, I try to do it every day, but sometimes things happen, that I'll try to, when I first get up in the morning after I get Mike addressed or whatever is going or whatever we're doing for the day or if it's even the weeks I don't have him, before the day starts, I will go to a section in our house. Brianna may be getting dressed or she may be doing something, and I'll go to a section in our house. It's in the guest room, but it has a large closet in there. Similar, it's like a, a double master uh, a bedroom like a secondary master and that closet's huge there's nothing in it though because nobody lives on that side of the house and I'll go in there and I'll talk to God just me and God sitting on a carpet floor there ain't nothing there's no lights on there's nothing I don't have a flickering candle burning I don't have a little feather quill pen jotting down thoughts it's pitch black dark sitting on the floor crisscross applesauce God and I talk. Now I would love to tell you that my talks with God or I lay down on the floor and I go, Oh thou God, great Jehovah, Lord of creator of the universe. No, that's not how God and I talk. I like to talk to God like Abraham did as one talks to a friend. Sometimes my prayers are, Good morning, God. Though I already know it's morning in heaven for you, but good morning anyway, God. I'm just, I'm just waking up. Sometimes my conversations are a little more not as excitable. Sometimes I sit in the closet and go, God, I don't know what to say today. I have nothing. People are hurting. Lives are being destroyed. Marriages are imploding. God, I don't even know what to say right now. I love you, but I'm at a loss for words. So I'm just going to sit here and 
till I feel like I've sat here long enough that I've heard from you. So I'm just going to sit here from this point forward. And sometimes I'll cry or sometimes I'll just sit there. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. Whatever. Minute, and I just sit there till I feel that I'm good enough. To, that I feel the, the presence of the Lord and I'm encouraged enough to get up off that floor and go back to my day. Some days are more exciting. Some days I walk in there and I'm like, hey, God. Man, what a good day yesterday was. Man, thank you so much. Life's good, man. You, everything's going great. Let today be a great day. I'm getting ready to fly out to go to Texas. Lord, give me safe traveling mercy. It's going to be fun. Let a breeze blow through and turn into an ice storm while I'm in Texas. God did not answer that prayer request at all. He did not even entertain that thought. I asked for just a small wind of His Spirit to blow maybe with some coolness in it and He just sent hot air, which is what I was full of apparently by asking. Because even when the wind blew, it was worse than when it didn't blow. I was like, okay, God, take the wind away. It's praying the wind off at this point. So it was smoldering hot. See, sometimes that's how it works. And, and I spend time with the Lord. Enoch walked with God. He just carried on conversation. We read about Jesus ascending into the clouds of glory. And the men of heaven coming down, these angels coming down and saying, but, but why are you... Why are you worried? The same Jesus you saw, he'll come back. And so as I began to think, how could I bring this final culmination of this message? I know him to you. How could I wrap it up in a pretty little bow and put it in a nice box and give you all an early Christmas present in July? Give you this nice, excitable thing. You know, we're halfway to Christmas, y'all. We're almost there. Christmas will be here before you know it. If you want to know, I've already started my list of what I want. I haven't started it, but I will if you're willing to pay for it. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. But all joking aside, I thought, Lord, how can I put this together? When I was riding home and I was thinking of it and I was trying to finalize it, I, I already said, Lord, I've already talked about you redeem us. Lord, I've already talked about you represent us. How can I finish this message? And when I read about Enoch again, and then it, I cross-referenced it to the book of Acts, but I thought about that life with Enoch I'm not going to keep you for a few moments, but I want you to think of this thought. He doesn't only redeem us. He, don't, he doesn't only represent us. But he's one day coming to receive me. <laughs> think about what I just said. If that doesn't make the child of God want to do some laps around the church, then you just are wet wood. You won't catch fire if I put the fire under you. Some folks come to church... They're like wet wood. It is almost virtually impossible when the wood is saturated to a certain level and it's taking on so much water to get that sucker to burn. You need it to be dry to burn the best. Can I tell you sometimes our seasons when we feel like we're dry and thirsty, that's the best place for us to be because that's when the fire will burn the brightest in our life. But when life's great and everything's great and we're just being saturated by the presence of the Lord, oftentimes that's when we get prideful and we get arrogant. And we start thinking we may not need the Lord because everything's going well. God, you know, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was my talent that did this. Maybe it was my charisma that did this. Maybe it was my abilities to do that. And sometimes God has to dry us out for us to realize we're nothing without Him. And yes, God redeems us. And yes, God represents us. But I come by to tell somebody today, but God is coming to receive us one day. You know, I stood there yesterday and I did the very best of my ability to preach a, a, a homegoing message that would bring clarity and would bring a, a, a way to present the gospel but also honor Bonnie's life. But I thought about that thing and I said it multiple times in that sermon yesterday. We don't have to say goodbye if we're Christians. It's not over. 
We're only saying see you in a little while or see you later. Because the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Bible also says there will come a day when the last, when the, in the last days when the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise up, and we which are alive and remain shall be called up together in the clouds of glory to ever, so to be, forever to be one with another, so shall we be. And I, I thought about that thing, that if I'm a child of God, there are some folks that might have made heaven before I did. They got there a little bit quicker than me. But I have the promise that even though they got a head start, I still have a seat at the table. See, I, I said yesterday, and I'll say it to this body today, sometimes people think they should just get access to things because they have the right last name. Happens in the church all the time. Well, they don't know my, I should be on a board because my last name. Do they not know who my daddy is? That's great. That's great. You go down, down to downtown Charleston to those restaurants that's reservation only and you walk in there without a reservation and you say, Hi, my name is Jonathan Vaughn. I am the pastor of the prestigious Santee Circle Church of God in Monks Corner, South Carolina. I do not care who you have on your waiting list that's already made a reservation. I demand that I get a seat at the table because of who I am. You know what they're going to say? Sir, you can either leave on your own accord or we will call security and escort you out because you do not have your name on the reservation table. It sounds comical, but that's how heaven is too. We can, yes, I'm all about, do you know who my dad is? Yes, my dad is God, my dad is Jesus. You know, I'm all about, we use and throw in the, that we're children of God. That's great. But you better make sure you are a child of God because if you step behind those gates and you stand before that, that throne room judgment, Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am? You walk up there and say, do you not know that I'm the mayor of the town? Do you not know that I was the sheriff for 38 years? Do you not know that I was, I was known by everybody in that county? And God's going to say, great, who do you say that I am? I don't care what they said. I ask what you have to say. And you can say anything, but if you cannot say he's Lord and Savior, you know what he's going to say? I'm sorry, I hate to do this, but you don't have a seat at the table, and we're going to have to politely ask you to leave because you can't stay here. You have to make a reservation. Yes, heaven is full. Heaven's banquet hall is, is so vast that it can hold all of this entire world in the palm of God's hand. Yes, but you still have to make reservations to get a seat at the table. You don't just walk in there and get one without having a reservation at the table. It's free. It costs you nothing. But you have to RSVP that you're coming to get a reserved seat at the table. And I thought about that yesterday and I thought about that as I vetted it and through my mind last night. I think grandparents of mine and friends of mine like Bonnie and others have, have made their journey there faster than I have. But what a day that will be when it's my turn. And whether God comes to receive me via the grave or I get to be like the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise and I'm one of the Live and remain that gets called up together. However God's plan is to get me out of here. I started thinking about what a day that's going to be when I get to go to. I get to see my grandma. My grandfathers. I get to talk to family and friends. Ministerial acquaintances. Share stories. And then I started thinking about that old song. There is coming a day. When all heartache shall cease. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day. A glorious day that will be.
And then I started thinking about that song, and I started thinking, you know, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. I'll look upon his face, the one who saved me. He redeemed me, saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through that promised land, what a day, a glorious day that'll be. But it won't be a glorious day if I don't know where I'm going when I get there. And see, I want to encourage you today that God is coming again. I know you probably say, Pastor, I've heard on the second coming of Christ longer than you've been alive. But I'm telling you, don't let it be one of those things that you've heard it so long that you put it on the back burners. His return is more close now and more imminent now than it's ever been. Don't you start laying aside the plow now. Don't you stop plowing the field now. Don't you start saying, well, I don't know, Pastor, I've heard it a long time, but I don't know if he's really coming. I come by to tell you, he is coming. He is coming soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. We shall see the king when he comes. There's been songs written about it. There's been sermons preached about it. And I want to remind you that it needs to still burn in your heart like it's burned the first time you heard that message there's coming a day we're going to heaven but we need to look up for our redemption draweth nigh because he's coming on the clouds of glory he's coming again he's coming again Jesus told us in John 14 let not our hearts be troubled because he was building in his father's house many mansions if it were not so he would have told us Revelation 22 tells us John the Revelator after he saw all that Jesus did he said he said behold he said God I see you and Jesus said behold I will come quickly exponentially I'm coming quicker than you realize the apostle Paul told Titus he said look for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ he told that young pastor he said you got to remember he's coming again Two angels appeared at Jesus' side when he teleported to glory. There was excitement in the air. I started thinking about the Apostle Paul. If you have the time, not right now, but soon, I'd like you to go back at some point and read 2 Timothy chapter 4, the whole, the whole chapter. But I want you to read it after I tell you what I'm about to tell you. The Apostle Paul, the very last chapter that he ever wrote was the book of 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul is in a dark, musty, musky, damp Roman cell. Wrought iron bars are across the front of his prison door. He's shackled in there. Water is dripping from the leaks from the cistern of the dungeon. He looks down through the gates and he looks down to the end of the hallway and he sees the mass chopping block guillotine that's outside the doors of that dungeon. In his mind he starts vetting all of the men he has seen get escorted through Roman rule out of these prisons. Walk down that long death row, if you will, to the end of that hall, the door to be opened up, and there'd be a jeering crowd, their head to be placed in that block, and with a swift and severing pain, their lives to be over. Countless men and women of the faith to be, be, to be beheaded for the cause. Countless criminals beheaded for crimes committed. 
And in the morning it would be his turn to put his head in that same block and wait for his execution. I could imagine he might have, you know, they might have asked him, is there anything you want to eat? What's the last meal you want? Because tomorrow it's over. He may have asked, I don't know for what he asked for. But a lot of times in today's society, I don't know how Romans did it back then, but in today's society they'll often ask you, do you have anything you want to say? Write letters, you got anything you want to do? Because tomorrow, you know, anything, this is your last night. What you want, etc. I can imagine the Apostle Paul said, can I have a piece of paper and a pen? And he starts writing to his protege that was going to take his place, a pastor. There was a young man probably in his 30s, maybe 20s, late 20s, 30s, by the name of Timothy. And you would think that as he looks out of this cell block to the end of the hallway where his death is imminent, you'd see the flickering light, all of his cellmates around the thing saw the dimness of light and they couldn't tell what it was because it's dark in there but the Apostle Paul had lit a candle or some kind of lighting source. You would think as he looks down that hallway that he would tell Timothy, Timothy, it's been a good, it's been a good run, son. But you better get out before you can because they're coming for you. You would think he would try to be a spiritual father and protect him and say, Timothy, you need to move out of the way. You need to get out of harm's way. You need to make sure, Timothy, that you, that you don't, don't, don't let people know. I mean, I know you've been preaching. I know you've been evangelizing. I know you, I know you enjoy it. But, Timothy, this is not fun and games anymore, son. This is not something that you'll enjoy. I can imagine him telling him, Timothy, it's great to go hold district revivals. It's great to go hold all these different, if you will, series of meetings. Oh, it's great when you go be the evangelist and they think you're the greatest things and the altars flood and they take you out to Denny's after church and pay for your meal and give you a, a week's salary when you're done. Uh, Timothy, it's great, but son, it's going to cost you your life. You think he'd tell him to get out. You think he would say, you would think he would say, I... I don't know if it was worth all this. Look at where I'm at, Timothy. You would think that's what he would say, trying to protect him, right? That's what most people would say. Son, don't come. Don't follow my road. Don't walk the road I've walked. I'm trying. A good parent, a good grandparent, a good spiritual father. What is our goal? We always say we don't want you to walk where we walk. We want to keep you from, from the... You would think Apostle Paul would say, don't do it. This is where you'll end up. I solemnly charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead, by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, son. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For a time will come that men will not want to hear the sound doctrine, but will want with itching ears to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance of their own desires. They will turn away their ears from truth, and they will turn aside to fables. Are not we living in that day today? Nobody wants the truth anymore. You better be sober in all things, and you will endure hardships, but do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, son. I have already been poured out as a drink offering. My departure is at hand. I'm about to die. 
die. But Timothy, remember this. I have fought a good fight, and I have kept the faith, and I have finished my course. In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness for the Lord. The righteous judge will give to me, but not only unto me, but those that love his glorious appearing. Can I tell you, the apostle Paul could have said, Peter, don't, uh, uh, Timothy, don't do it. No, that's not what he said. He said, son, even if it takes you to the grave, even if it takes you to death row, you preach the word. You tell them the word. You make sure they know the word. Do not stop telling the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. And I started thinking about that thing. Are we not living in a day where people don't want the truth? They don't want you to tell them the truth. They don't want you to call out homosexuality. They don't want you to call out gender crises and identity crises. And they don't want you to call them in binary terms as male and female because they don't identify as one or the other. They don't want the truth. They don't, want to have, they don't have to like the truth. But the Bible said God created them male and female. God already established what you are, whether you want it to be or not. God said that a man should leave his house and cling to his wife. That's male and female. He didn't say I was supposed to be married to a man. And he didn't say a woman should be married to a woman. In fact, he said I should be with a woman and a woman should be with a man. I didn't write the book. He did. We don't like truth. He said, Timothy, they'll come a day they'll round up for themselves teachers with, with their itching ears. They'll find teachers that will appease their ears. You can turn on Christian television and find that. And we say it's Christian television. They appease the masses because they want the crowd. They don't preach sin. They don't preach where they're living because it might offend their brother or sister and we live under grace. Yes, we also live under the, yes, we live under grace, but we also live under a law too. And even though we don't have to abide, if we will, by all the letters of the law because Jesus fulfilled it, the Bible said he's not only a merciful God, he's also a judge. So there's still a law we have to abide by. See, we live in a day that people don't like that. Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, Son, when you look out tomorrow and you see me out there on that block, and in one swift motion with the severing of a blade, my life is taken from me. I want you to remember the last thing I ever said. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Now, I asked you a question, Madison, if you put that title slide up for me on that screen, will you put up the title slide for me? That I said, I know him, but do you? Now let me help you understand something as I close today. I do know him. I made him Lord and Savior of my life in a yellow school chair in an old Sunday school classroom on the extension part of the old sanctuary of an Oakley Road Church God first classroom on the left on a Wednesday night. I knew where I got saved. I'm not saying I had messed up along life's way since that day, but I still know where I'm going. Because I know in whom I believed in, and I'm persuaded he is able to keep me until that day. I know where I'm going. But if I were to stand here today and could ever tell you something, yes, Jesus will redeem you, he'll represent you. He's coming again to receive somebody, whether you go or not. He's coming to get a church without spot or blemish. A bride ready for... The adornment of her husband. 
But I say this to you today before I close. There are a lot of things in this world that will vie for your attention. Sports, jobs, family maybe, careers, additional vacations, not just one here or there, but many. Beach trips, mountain trips, boating season, camping season, whatever. There'll be a lot of things that will vie for your attention. But you hear me very carefully. As I was sitting 34,986 feet, because it told me on the back of my little screen at Delta where I was in the sky when I wrote it down. I had this thought. Before we, I, no, not yet, Madison. I'm going to finish up. I'll let you know. Don't sign them off yet. I had this thought. God doesn't care if you are an NCAA sports person. He doesn't care if you get a full ride to college on sports. He doesn't care if you become a professional athlete. God doesn't care if you become the CEO of your company. Pastor, you don't want God. God wants me to be blessed. Yeah, but you can be blessed in other areas. It ain't always about money. God may not want you to be the CEO. God doesn't really care if you drive a Lexus or not. He only wants to know who do you say that I am. That's all he wants to know. Sports, cars, vacations, houses, land, careers, they will not do a hill of beans when you stand before God. And I thought when I sat there to that 34,900 plus feet in the air, it dawned on me. There's a lot of people on Christian television and other places, they all, oh, they're preaching a word. Listen to what I just said. They are preaching a word. They don't preach the word of God. They'll give you a word, but that word is what they want you to hear. Prosperity and money and this. They don't preach you the word, and the word says that not only does God bless us, but there's also punishment for those who disobey Him too. So I started thinking to myself, Lord, I know there are pastors and evangelists and teachers that do that. But never let it be said in my lifetime. Even if I stand at the proverbial ironclad gates, dark, musty dungeon cells of life and look down the hallway and see my impending career coming to a close, seeing my political aspirations be on the chopping block, seeing my ability to be the state overseer one day come to a, a halting, screeching end, or my ability to go out to be a youth and decide whatever my dreams are, if I see them at the end of the hallway on the chopping block being beheaded one by one, God never let it be said that I compromised your word because I was more worried about that than I was here. Never let it be said I was more worried about what the masses were saying on the other side of that cell door than what I was hearing the word of the Lord say to me inside the cell door. Lord, never let it be said that I was more worried about protecting my career and being a state overseer or youth and discipleship director or whatever. Lord, never let it be said that 
I was more worried about that than preaching your word and letting your word do what it was called to do. And I said, God, sitting up there in that airplane, I said, God, you have got to help me. Whether I ever become anything famous or not, that's left up to you. Whether you call me to do anything else or not, that's left up to you. But God, I pray that when I my feet hit back in Charleston, South Carolina, and my bags come off that conveyor belt, and I put them in my car and I drive home, Lord, the first Sunday I step back in that pulpit, and for every Sunday that follows, let me preach the word. Let me preach the word. Let me preach not a word from me, but a word from you. Let me hear from heaven. I want a word from God. I'm tired. And you hear me carefully. I'm tired of men's words. Their words are getting to the point where I'm fed up with them. I don't care how much Greek you know. I don't care how much Hebrew you know. I don't care if you're a doctor of biblical languages. I want the word from God, not the word from you. Now, you, I'm not saying you shouldn't study. Study to show yourself the proof. But I don't need a word from anybody. I need God to talk to me. And I need God to give me a word. And I want God to give you a word. You don't need to hear from me. You always need to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. So with that being said, here's what I'm going to say today. And I'm done. I know him. I know him. But do you? you. You say, oh, pastor, I've been saved. Okay, great. Wonderful. When's the last time you felt his presence in your life? Do you know him like Enoch did? And he walks with me. And See, I know this man very well. Sometimes he and I butt heads. We always get by. Sometimes he tells me, just like two weeks ago, about my iPad situation. He all butt told me. He called my wife and said, you talk to him. He won't listen to me. Maybe he'll listen to you. Brought Brianna in it to talk to me about it. Said if he won't buy it, you go buy it and turn in the receipt and make him take the iPad. I know him. I know people like Henry Kirkland and Dennis Clark and these guys that have helped me do all kinds of stuff this week while I've been gone. I know them. I know the caliber of men they are. Some of you ladies in here, I know you. I know you. But as much as I love everybody in this building, and I value you, I don't know any of you as much as I know her. I know what makes her mad, because I do it. <laughs> well, I, I know maybe some of your likes and dislikes, but I know what she doesn't like. I know her. I know her better. And all of you guys and gals in here, your children come running up to me on Sunday morning. They grab my legs. They, you know, tell me about their cookies. I know them, but I don't know them. I could come here, buddy. I don't know any of your children like I know this guy right here. See, this guy knows how to talk to me that nobody else in this room can talk to me like. So your kid can come by and call me pastor. Or your kid can come by me and call me preacher. Your kid can come by and call me Jonathan. He can call me whatever. Nobody in this room can change the nature except when one kid says, hey, Daddy. And I don't care what your kid says. When I hear the word Daddy, everybody else's kids freezes because I heard a name that only I can answer to by him. By him. And when the two of these together, I walk into a house like I did yesterday after a long day. I, don't, I see you guys at funeral homes and weddings and things. But when I come home, this is home I know them 
As much as I love Brother Randy, God does not want me to have a relationship like I have with Brother Randy. Because while Brother Randy and I are, we're close, we're friends, we do things together, but there is a divide. I mean, he has his house, I have my house, we, we go our separate ways, I have a job, he does his thing. We, we are close, we're very acquainted, we're, we're more than just acquaintances, we have a good relationship, but, but it's, it's just a certain relationship, there's only a, a certain parameters that he can fit into. And while it, it might be good to have that relationship, that's not the relationship God wants to have with me. God doesn't want me to have parameters with my relationship with him he doesn't want him to be God doesn't want to be in a box and only in certain categories he fits God wants to come home with me God wants to live with me God wants me to say daddy so that he can stop heaven when I call on his name God wants me to be the bride of Christ so that when I look up to him he is the author and perfecter of my faith and when I lay my head on the pillow at night and I start to pray he tells heaven shut your mouth because somebody's talking that I need to hear from he wants to hear from me. He wants to walk with me. He wants to do life with me. He wants to have communion with me. He wants to do things with me that nobody else. He wants to live with me. As these two beautiful people standing before me, they live with me every day. And I, you have beautiful families. Brother Mike, Sister Glenda, and Brother Randy, Miss Carol, Jennifer and Larry, and Brother Henry and Sister Tina. All you guys, y'all have beautiful families. Some of your families are with you in church today. Tyler and Carmen getting ready to bring their own bundle of joy into the, into the world. We all have our beautiful families. But here's my question. Thank you, guys. Here's my question. But is God living with you too? Your family can be beautiful all day long, but when you go home today, is God in your house? Is God living with you? Is God riding in the car with you? Is God talking to you as you talk to Him? Are y'all one with another? Is He a part of your life? there's nothing more devastating than you to get to heaven one day and God say I don't know who you are you've never heard words more hurtful than when God would say I don't know you depart from me I don't know who you are so you say pastor if you need to get saved we'll, we'll pray the prayer of salvation for you if you need to feel the touch of the Lord just to you've kind of drifted you, you know you believe in God and you have a relationship but God's not as close as he once was and you need him to come alongside of you again and be like Enoch walking with God day by day, then that's what I want you to pray for today. If you say, Pastor, I have a need, I, and I just need God to show himself, then whatever it is, but I want you, before you leave this place today, to be able to walk out of those doors in a few moments and say, but I know him, Pastor, just like you. I know him. For all of us that are watching online, I thank you for being with us today in service. We're going to sign off on the online service today. Be back with us at 6 p.m. tonight. Now, for the